your Bibles this morning, the book of John, John chapter number 18. John chapter number 18, we're going to deal this morning with Peter's denial of Christ. Jesus told him that before the cock shall crow three times, you'll de- before the cock shall crow, you'll deny me three times. He only crowed once, Peter denied him thrice. And uh, today I want to preach this message just simply titled, The Cock Crowed. <laughs> the Cock Crowed, and this uh, rooster sends out a message that I think we can learn something from in the book of Matthew, chapter 18. We begin reading with me as we read together God's Word, verse number 15 of Matthew 18. The Bible says this, And Simon Peter followed Jesus, and so did another disciple. That disciple was known unto the high priest and went in with Jesus into the palace of the high priest. But Peter stood at the door without, then went out that other disciple, which was known unto the high priest, and spake unto her that kept the door, and brought in Peter. Then saith the damsel that kept the door unto Peter, Art not thou also one of this man's disciples? He saith, I am not. And the servants and officers stood there, who had made a fire of coals, for it was cold, and they warmed themselves. And Peter stood with them, and warmed himself. The high priest then asked Jesus of his disciples and of his doctrine. Jesus answered him, I spake openly to the world. I ever taught in the synagogue and in the temple, whither the Jews always resort, and in secret have I said nothing. Why askest thou me? I asked them which heard me what I have said unto them. Behold, they know what I said. And when he had thus spoken, one of the officers which stood by struck Jesus with the palm of his hand, saying, Answerest thou the high priest so? Jesus answered him, If I have spoken evil, bear witness of the evil. But if well, why smitest thou me? Now Annas had sent him bound unto Caiaphas the high priest. And Simon Peter stood and warmed himself. They said therefore unto him, Art not thou also one of his disciples? He denied it and said, I am not. One of the servants of the high priest, being his kinsman, whose ear Peter cut off, saith, Did not I see thee in the garden with him? Peter then denied again, and immediately the cock crew. And we come to this passage of Scripture, and I want to pay close attention to Peter in this passage of Scripture and some things I want to study. How many of you ever messed up? You don't have to raise your hand, because I know we all have. How many of you are thankful that you're not like Peter, and you messed up, and God wrote it in the New Testament, Several times so everybody could see it. Uh, Now, the Lord didn't do that to Peter just to make a spectacle out of him. But Peter's denial of Christ and Peter's grave error is given for us for our learning. The Word of God is given to God's people for our learning. And there's no doubt some things that we can learn from Peter's denial of Christ Now, Peter, in so many ways, reminds me of me and reminds me of Christians. He's quick to act and sometimes slow to think and fast to speak. And and all God's people said, that's me. Peter, he made a terrible mistake. And to deny Christ is a terrible thing to do. But we'll find out that Peter's response to his failure is going to be the very thing that God uses in so many ways to define his ministry 
and the work that he does for the Lord ultimately. The cock crowed. Let's look together in God's Word. There's just some few things here I want to share with you about the story. It will begin in verse 15. The Bible says, And Simon Peter followed Jesus, and so did another disciple. That disciple was known as the high priest, and went in with Jesus under the palace of the high priest. This is an interesting little story here, and little some details that we don't pick up in the other gospel records. So Jesus has recently told the disciples. Do you remember when Jesus is uh, faced by this mob of people who've come with their torches and their weapons and their lanterns to get Jesus? And Jesus speaks and says, I am he. And they all fall down. They get up and they take him on. At that uh, scene, we see Jesus says to his disciples and about his disciples, he says in verse 8, let these go their way. The disciples were behind him. He says, let my disciples go their way. And so Jesus has said to this crowd, don't let the disciples go their way and you take me. And so when we come to this passage of Scripture, Peter's actually followed the Lord and this other disciple has followed the Lord and now they find themselves... uh, at the place where Jesus is going to be first heard and tried, the house and home of the high priest, Caiaphas. And it's an interesting little tidbit here. Peter is not known by the household of Caiaphas, but this other disciple, who we don't know who he is, they know him at Caiaphas' house. So when this other disciple shows up, they say, come on in. And here in just a minute, the other disciple is going to say to the girl that's keeping the door, let him in, let him in. So the Bible continues in verse number 16. Peter stood at the door without. Then went out the other disciple, which was known unto the high priest, and spake unto her that kept the door, and brought Peter in, brought in Peter. So the little girl, the, the lady that's keeping the door, I don't want you to think that necessarily it's a little girl, but the lady that's keeping the door is... Uh, uh, let's Peter in. The Bible says in verse 7, Then saith the damsel that kept the door unto Peter, Art not thou also one of this man's disciples? <coughs> so to the lady that's keeping the door, he saith, I am not. The first person he denies Christ to is this person keeping the door. This person with access to the palace, to the home, to the house, of Caiaphas. Then the Bible continues in verse number 18. And the servants and officers stood there who had made a fire of coals, for it was cold, and they warmed themselves. And they warmed themselves. So now we see another group of people, servants and officers. Now these are the folks that are running things at Caiaphas' house. These are literally probably a group of the same people that were part of the mob that had just delivered Jesus, servants and officers. They built a fire. It was cold. The Bible says that Peter stood with them and warned himself. Verses 19 through 23 is a little parenthesis. We have a little conversation here that's going on between Jesus and the high priest. And we pick up our story with Peter's denial again in verse number 24. Very important you follow along in your Bible so you can see what's going on. Now, Annas had sent him, Jesus, bound unto Caiaphas, the high priest. Just in case you forget where we are, we're at the high priest's palace. 
verse 25. The Bible says, And Simon Peter stood and warmed himself. We're back at the fire. They said therefore unto him, Art not thou also one of his disciples? The servants and officers, Aren't you one of his disciples? He denied it and said, I am not. Verse number 26. One of the servants of the high priest, being his kinsman, whose ear Peter cut off, saith, Did not I see thee in the garden with him? I think this is so fascinating. Verse number 26. Peter is hoping. Have you ever done something just so wrong? And you know all the people that were around when you did something that was so wrong. And you hoped. You just hoped and prayed to the good Lord that you never have to see those people again. Have you ever had a moment like that? <laughs> Peter. He just whacked off Malchus's ear a few hours ago. And here he is. Facing Malchus's cousin. Evidently, Malchus's cousin was standing right there when it happened because God wants us to know that the cousin of the guy that Peter had cut off his ear, Malchus's cousin, asked him something. Did not I see you in the garden with him? In verse 27, the Bible says, Peter then denied again, and immediately the cock crew. The third person that he denies the Lord to is the cousin of Malchus. The story comes to a screeching halt. We know the conclusion of the story. We can know by Luke's account that the cock crowed and Jesus looked at Peter and Peter looked at Jesus. And Peter went out and wept bitterly. He repented of his sin and it won't be long till God's using Peter in a big way. The cock crowed. There's some things we can learn from this passage of Scripture. And I want to share with them with you three simple things. Number one, what can we learn from Peter's failure? Number one, we should learn to heed God's Word. We should learn to heed God's Word. The Bible says in verse 15, And Simon Peter followed Jesus. Now when we read this, we think, oh good. Oh, good. The only time that's not right to follow Jesus is if Jesus tells you not to. I, we criticize Peter sometimes for following afar off. But as I've studied this passage of Scripture, we probably should criticize Peter more for following at all. Because Jesus had just been in this scene where the mob is facing him. His disciples are with him. And Jesus looks at the mob. He says, let them go their way. What did Jesus want them to do? Go their way. What did Peter do? Peter had already professed just a few minutes ago in, when they were in the upper room, I should say a few hours ago when they were in the upper room, Peter already says, I'm ready to go with you even to death. Peter just tried to buck up and fight and cut off Malchus's ear and Jesus had to tell him, put your sword up. But Peter's stubborn. Peter's obstinate. Peter is determined to do his own thing, his own way. He's one of these guys that's going to go in like a kamikaze and do no good at all. But he's going to make a mess if he can. I mean, he just he's in the flesh. And God has told him, look, Satan's going to tempt you. You're going to deny me. And it's almost like Peter just lets God's word go whoosh right over his head. Jesus has clearly told his disciples, you go your way. 
I'm going with them. What does Peter do? He follows the Lord. He follows Jesus. He follows Jesus. He follows to a place that he shouldn't. He puts himself in the way of temptation. I want you to understand something. If we will heed God's word, God's word does an amazing thing of protecting us from the positions that cause us to fail. Psalm 1. I love Psalm 1. The Bible says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. You know what Psalm 1, verses 1 and 2 do for God's people? They remind us that the best way to stay out of trouble is to stay away from the places that bring trouble, to stay away from the temptation, to stay away from the place that calls us to fall. To avoid the situations that cause great temptation. Now look, in a room of people this size, there's all kinds of different things that we are tempted by. I'm tempted by things that you aren't. And you're tempted by things that I'm not. But we learn and we should be wise and we should learn the things that cause us to fall. We should understand and identify our besetting sins. And we should be careful to protect ourselves from walking the way of the ungodly. Standing where the sin is. Sitting where the scorn is rampant. We should be working to provide and protect ourselves from failing. I just want you to know something. Had Peter gone his way and stayed away from the temptation, he would have never denied the Lord. I understand we can address this from different angles but it's important we see that because the Bible wants us to know Jesus had said let them go their way then the Bible says that Peter followed him and it's when Peter was following in a place that he shouldn't be that he denied him three times now now where is it that you should stay away from what is it that you should stay away from we should protect ourselves we should heed God's word God's Word says, stay away from sin. God's Word teaches us to stay away from temptation, to avoid the things that fulfill the lust of the flesh. We should be careful. Oh, had he, Peter heeded God's Word, it would a different story. You see, we need to learn to heed God's Word. This principle is also highlighted in Luke chapter 22, if you turn back. In your Bibles, a few pages. I'd like for you to see it. In Luke chapter number 22, the Lord's Supper has just taken place, and Peter and Jesus have a conversation. The Bible says in verse 31 of Luke chapter 22, The Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. Now, if Jesus looks at you and says, hey, listen, be careful. Satan has desired to have you. He wants to sift you. He wants to run you through the ringer. He wants to shake you to the very core. He wants to thin you down and harm you. Now, if Jesus says that to you, what should you do? Yes, sir. 
And then you should be paying very close attention because you know what God said is going to come to pass. What did Peter do? Peter's so full of pride at this moment that Jesus himself says, Hey, Peter, listen. Satan desires to have you. Let me sift you as wheat. Verse number 32, he, Jesus continues, says, But I've prayed for thee that thy faith fail not. And when thou art converted... Strengthen thy brethren. What did Jesus say? Jesus says to Peter, when you are converted. Let me tell you what Jesus said. He says, when you're converted, when you're changed. Peter was a saved man. He's already putting his trust in Jesus. He wasn't going to get saved later. He was going to have a change of heart. The bottom line was, Peter's heart was cold towards the Lord. Peter was puffed up with pride. Peter decided that he was going to fight like a soldier instead of a saint and Jesus said, look, the devil wants to get you. He says, I'm praying for you that you'll change. You'll have a change of heart. I'll just tell you that when Jesus says, I'm praying for you, you have a change of heart. You know what you need? A change of heart. And as soon as Jesus finishes saying, I've prayed for you, that when you're changed, when you're converted, that you'll strengthen your brethren. Jesus says, to, I mean, Peter speaks up. He said unto him, Lord, I am ready to go with thee both into prison and to death. Now look what, look what Peter, everything Peter says is a lie. The first thing Peter says that's a lie and is deceived, he's self-deceived is verse number 33. He says, Lord. What's he called? Jesus? He calls Jesus Lord. If you call somebody Lord, what's that mean? That means you're their servant. But at this moment, I'll tell you something. Peter was serving no one but himself. Jesus was not the Lord of his life at that moment. He had the word Lord on his lips, but submission to Jesus was not in his heart at all. He said, Lord, I am ready to go with thee both into prison and to death. That's not true. It wasn't true, was it? Let me tell you something. You may feel proud, and you may feel brave, and you may feel bold, but if you're pride... And bravery and boldness is in opposition to God's word. Then you are moving down a path of destruction. And you are deceived. Now look. You may think I'm going to succeed because I'm a hard worker. But if you do that in contradiction to God's word and God's will for your life. You'll not succeed at all. Someone said the greatest failure is to succeed at something that's not God's will. Peter said, I'm ready. I'm ready. Oh, would to God he'd heeded God's word. Jesus says, I want you to know something, Peter. I tell thee, verse 34, Peter, the cock shall not crow this day before that thou shalt thrice deny that thou knowest me. What did Jesus say? Jesus said, Peter, look, you're wrong. You'll deny me three times before the cock shall crow. You'll deny me three times. What happened? He denied him three times just as God said. Folks, if you want to make it, if you want God's blessing, the first thing we need to know is we need to heed God's word. If you'll heed God's word, it will save you so much grief. How many of you have disobeyed God's word in your lives? 
and suffered the consequences from it as a testimony so other folks around you can see that it's true. How many of you have disobeyed God's word and you know because of your disobedience to God's word, it's caused you grief? Would you raise your hand? My hand's raised. All right, put your hands down. How many of you have by faith, and we give God the glory, how many of you can put your finger on a time where by faith you obeyed God's word? It wasn't easy. It was difficult. It took faith, but you by faith obeyed God's word. And now a little time has passed. You can testify to the fact that God's word and God's way proved right and faithful. And you're glad you did. How many of you can raise your hand and testify to that? Me too. I want you to understand something. We need to learn from Peter's failure. And the thing, number one, we can learn from Peter's failure is that we need to learn to heed God's word. Learn to heed God's word. Number two, the cock crowed. Number two, fear not man. Number one, heed God's word. Number two, fear not man. Look at the Bible says. We're going to look at these different scenarios, and we need to learn not to fear men. The Bible says something very important about this subject. In Proverbs chapter 29 and verse number 25, the Bible says, The fear of man worketh a snare. The Bible says if you fear man, if you are a people pleaser more than a God pleaser, guess what happens? The Bible says that spirit works a snare. How many of you have tried to make everybody happy and found out you ended up in a trap? How many of you have ever been there? Yes. Look, it don't work. It don't work. As a matter of fact, we need to please the Lord primarily. And if we'll make it our goal to please the Lord, then we'll find out the pieces fall in place. But if you fear man and you fear, fear what man can give you, what man can take away from you, what man can promote you to, what man can demote you to, if you worry about men, the Bible says the fear of man maketh a snare. Oh, how many people do we see trapped? Because they're trying to make this person happy and that person happy and this person happy and that person happy. Misery. Misery. Fear of man working the snare. And we find Peter fall into this trap. There's no doubt Peter is thinking about a million things and making very poor decisions. But we see him meet different folks in this scene. And in the book of John, God gives us very detailed descriptions of who these people are that Peter denies Jesus to. Look at the very first one, the servant. The Bible says in verse number 16, verse number 15, Simon Peter followed Jesus and so did another disciple. That disciple was known unto the high priest. I wonder if Peter, this is speculation, but the Bible makes it very plain this is what's going on. I wonder if Peter, when they walked up to the door of the high priest's palace, and his disciple buddy was allowed in, but he wasn't, because Caiaphas, the high priest, knew disciple number one. I wonder if Peter felt a little bit jealous. I wonder if Peter felt a little bit insignificant. I wonder if Peter thought, man, alive, I hate this. They know him, but they don't know me. And who you know makes a difference because he walks up to the door and they let him right in. But they want to, here I am standing, the Bible says in verse number 16, Peter stood at the door without. <laughs> he says, I'm on the outside. There's no doubt there's a range of emotions and pride and concern and different things going on in Peter's mind. But the bottom line is in verse 16, Peter was standing outside, the other disciple standing inside. 
And the Bible says in verse 16, Then went out the other disciple, which was known unto the high priest, and spake unto her that kept the door, and brought in Peter. Her that kept the door. I want you to know something. There was one person between Peter and being welcomed into the palace of the high priest. Her that kept the door. Her that kept the door. You get to the place where you think, man, if I could just let, if her that kept the door knew who I was, that would make a big difference, wouldn't it? Her that kept the door. The Bible says in verse 17, Then saith the damsel that kept the door unto Peter, Art not thou also one of this man's disciples? The girl looks at Peter and asks the question. And can you hear Peter? He's like, uh, blah, blah, blah. You ever been in a situation you're trying to, uh, well, you, uh, blah. you ever meant to say one thing and said something different? Uh, I mean, he's got trouble. He's like, this is the girl that keeps the door. What do I tell her? If I tell her I know the Lord and he's guilty, I may never be able to get back in the high priest's house. If I tell her I don't know the Lord, maybe I can be one of the cool kids. Who knows? But it's with this setting, with a person with access, that he is willing to deny the Lord in order to somehow... Save face in his opinion. Now, I want you to think about this with me for just a minute. How many of you are ever put in a position where there's somebody you'd like to impress? If you say in your heart, I don't, I don't care about anybody, I don't want to impress nobody, you're a liar. There's somebody you want to impress, and you care more, so much about their opinion of you and what you can get out of them, that you're willing to say something that's not right in order to somehow please them. I mean, that's wrong. That's wrong. That is the fear of man. That's the fear of man. Look, it shouldn't matter if it's the President of the United States, the Pope, or anybody that you can think of that has some type of prominence or prestige, or power, or wealth. You should be willing to speak the truth. You should be willing to speak up for your Savior. You should be willing to remain honest and a person of integrity, irregardless to who you're talking to, even if they happen to be the person that keeps the door to something that you want. Tell the truth. Speak the truth. I remember as a boy, and... When you're young, you seem to deal with this more, but it never completely goes away. But I remember as a boy being young, and I remember a few times being willing to lie or be dishonest or try to put on a front or a show in order to maybe get something I want. Every time I did it, I remember looking back and thinking, boy, I looked like a big dummy. My favorite story, mom had... Brooke and I at a store on Main Street in Marion. And I wanted to impress the salesman. So, you know what they had? They had go-karts there. Oh, it was awesome. They had a motor and tires and a steering wheel. And that's all it takes to make me really excited. And I remember just little, I was talking to this boy, talking with this salesperson. My mom was listening for a moment in the background 
And I started telling that boy, the big, that salesperson, the biggest bunch of lies. I'm telling you, I told that guy that at our house, we have a four-wheel drive three-wheeler. You know that's not possible, right? Yeah. I was telling about things I had jumped and burnouts I had done and how big the motor was in something, and everything I said was a big fat lie and made no sense at all. But you know what? I was just trying to, I was just trying to impress the guy that was selling the go-kart. <laughs> how stupid. But I want you to know something. If you're willing to tell a lie or deceive somebody, or put on some type of front, or even deny your Savior as an adult to somebody that you want to have favor with, you're just as foolish as the little boy talking about his four-wheel drive three-wheeler at the hardware store in downtown Marion. The principle's the same. And Peter, he was willing to deny the Lord because he wanted to make sure he said the right thing to her that had charge over the gate. Folks, fear not men. Look, it continues. We see her that kept the door. Verse number 18. The Bible says, And the servants and officers stood there who had made a fire of coals, for it was cold. And they wanted, let's think about these servants, servants and officers for a minute. The servants and officers, who are they? The servants and the officers, they're the folks that, have been running the show. They're the folks who had been part of the mob that brought Jesus back to Caiaphas. The Bible says in verse number 24, Now Annas had sent him bound, Jesus bound unto Caiaphas, the high priest, verse 25, And Simon Peter stood and warmed himself. They said therefore unto him, Art not thou also one of his disciples? He denied it, said, I am not. Here, this is the enemy. This is the enemy. I know the Lord Jesus wants to save them. There's no doubt about it. But this is the enemy. These are the folks that could bring a case against Peter and cause Peter lots of trouble. What did he do? He denied the Lord to them. You get the point? He feared man. He feared their power. He feared, feared their authority. He feared their place in society. And because he feared those men, he denied the Lord. And the last one, Malchus's cousin. The Bible says, here in verse number 25, verse number 26, one of the servants, the high priest, being his kinsman, whose ear Peter cut off, the cousin of Malchus, saith, Did not I see thee in the garden with him? What's he do? Oh, Peter, man, he'd made a big mess. He'd made a big mistake. He didn't want to be identified with his past failures. And you know what he does? In order to try to cover up his past failures, he just lies about it and denies the Lord. Bottom line is, the fear of man worketh a snare. We could spend a lot of time on all these. But the fear of man worketh a snare. We should fear not man. If you want to... See, your failures be used for God and his glory. Heed God's word. Fear not man. And finally, rejoice in God's forgiveness. 
Rejoice in God's forgiveness. Uh, verse 27, look what the Bible says. Peter then denied again. What did he say to Malchus' cousin? He denied the Lord. Peter denied again, and immediately the cock crew. One little thought here. The Lord Jesus is God in the flesh, and he has power over all creation. When Jesus wanted that rooster to crow, guess what it did? It crowed. I like that. I like the fact that God, who loves me, is in control. We can trust him. The cock crowed. Here's something else I want you to think about. The cock crowed in condemnation. Jesus had just told Peter a few hours ago, he said, Peter, you say you're ready, but before the cock crows, you'll deny me three times. And when the cock crowed, you can just see it. You hear the cock-a-doodle-doo, and Peter's spirit goes, oh. He just says, I don't know who you're talking about. I'm not one of his disciples. And the rooster crows. That crow was a crow of condemnation. It was a crow of conviction. It said, Peter, you're guilty, you're guilty, you're guilty. Was that the whole reason why Jesus said to Peter, before the cock crows, you'll deny me three times? So that when the cock crowed, Peter would feel awful guilty? That wasn't his primary burden. Why does God send conviction? Why does God make us feel guilty when we realize, man, I've been lying and denying Jesus because I fear men. Why does God make us give us conviction when we realize and he says, I, you know that I have clearly taught in my word that you are supposed to do this, but you're not. Why does God let the cock crow of conviction in our hearts so he can make us feel guilty and feel good about himself? No. Conviction is a tool to bring about the right kind of change. Conviction is something that God gives us so that we will experience his forgiveness. You see that cock crowed. It was a crow of condemnation. It was a crow of conviction of sin. But folks, I want you to know something about the cock crowing. It was a crow of mercy. Historically. Primarily. When is the rooster crow? In the morning, I hear the rooster crow in my little pea brain. And the first thing I want to do is sing, oh, what a beautiful morning. My boys love it when early in the morning I walk in their room and blast that at the top of my lungs. The cock crowed. There's something really special about morning. It's a picture of something more important than the sun rising. The Bible says his mercies are new every morning. <laughs> God didn't send that rooster to crow just to make Peter feel guilty about being a low-down, good-for-nothing, dirty, rotten dog. The Lord did not send that rooster to crow just so he would feel guilty about his sin. God sent the rooster to crow to show Peter that there was an opportunity that there would be mercies new. It's morning. You got a chance. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just. Forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You see, the conviction of sin is not God crowing on you saying, ha, 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 you piece of trash. Conviction of sin is God crowing, reminding you 
that he is willing and able and ready to forgive you right now. <laughs> I want you to know something. The first time that Peter heard the cock crow, the first thing that came to mind was, oh, what a wretched sinner I am. But the more the crow rang in his ears, the more he realized, what a righteous God, loving God I serve. You see, Judas, in contrast, realized what he'd done by selling Christ out for silver. He went out and mourned and wept and hung himself. He let guilt, not conviction, guilt destroy him. Peter went out and wept bitterly, repented of his sin, accepted the fact that God was able and faithful to forgive him. And I want you to know something in Peter's story after the cock crows is better than Peter's story before it did. (laughs) The cock crows. Oh, it's wonderful. There's a beautiful thing. In the book of Mark, Jesus sends word. I remember for preachers a few times through the years, but in Mark 16, 7, you don't need to turn there. Jesus risen from the dead. And Jesus sends word to his disciples. He says, tell my disciples and Peter that I'll meet them. What do you think Jesus was doing? He's just affirming, assuring Peter, hey, look, buddy, you're forgiven. I love you. And I want you to know something. As God's people, we should rejoice in God's forgiveness. That's what Peter did. Oh, man. Peter's a great example of when we respond to our failures by repenting of our sin. The best is yet to come. Peter's only just begun. The Lord's going to use him to preach the day of Pentecost and thousands of people get saved. The Lord's going to use him to preach in the temple and thousands of people get saved. The Lord's going to use him to write two books of the New Testament. The Lord's going to use him to start the New Testament church. The Lord's going to use him. It's great. The cock crowed. And that turned out to be pretty good. Now look, where are you? Man, I've disobeyed against God's word. I've sinned against God. I've denied him. I've been living away from him. I've quit doing what I ought to do. I've not been attending church faithfully. I, 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 you fill in your blank. What is it the Holy Spirit's put on his finger on in your heart and life? I want to remind you of something. The cock has crowed and you felt the conviction of the Spirit of God, but the cock has crowed and your opportunity to have the forgiveness that God has always promised is right now. And your future is as bright as the promises of God. Ask Peter, he'll tell you. <laughs> he'll say, I want you to know something. Jesus, he is faithful and he is just to forgive us all of our sins. <laughs> he said that day that I denied Christ the third time and Repenting of my sins is the best day of my life. God proved himself faithful. He'll do it again and again and again. You can trust him.